Today on Bold Steps Weekend, Mark Job shows us how the love of God helps us love one another. The gifts are important, but guess what? When the world as we know it no longer exists, one thing will still exist. One thing will be as strong in heaven as it is on earth, and that's love. Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago, and he's also president of Moody Bible Institute. I'm Wayne Shepherd. As we move forward in our study called Gifted to Love, we'll be looking at the greatest chapter on the subject of love in all of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In our previous messages, we've seen how using our gifts without love is meaningless, how love without meaning is worthless. So if you've missed any of these previous messages in the study, be sure to catch up online at boldstepsweekend.org. But let's get started. Here's Pastor Mark Job. Notice he says, love is patient, love is kind. How many would rather it be a feeling? <laughs> patient and kind, really? What about like goosebumps and ooey-gooey feeling in the heart and, you know, that fullness of, ah, yeah, really. No, no, no. Love is patient and love is kind. Love is an attitude that leads to actions. Love is a choice that leads to me to be patient and be kind with the person that I'm loving. You don't want to know if someone loves you? Listen to me, 21-year-old girl. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're 21, but I'm talking to you, okay? Listen to me, 21-year-old girl. Just because he says he loves you doesn't mean he loves you. Just because he says he loves you, I love you, honey. Yeah, I know, but you were with this other girl. I know, but I really love you. That doesn't really matter. Really? It doesn't matter? Just because he brings you flowers doesn't mean he loves you. Just because he writes you a poem doesn't mean he loves you. Just because he pays for dinner doesn't mean he loves you. Because love is patient, love is kind, love is committed. Love is much more than just feelings or word that someone says. Let me tell you what love is not. Love is not, he tells us what love is. Love is patient, which means long-suffering, never gives up. Kind, which means they care more about others than themselves. Love does not envy, which means it doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love does not boast, which means it doesn't brag about oneself and doesn't strut. Love is not arrogant, which means it doesn't have a swelled head. Love is not rude, which means it doesn't force oneself on others and it doesn't act unrepresentable. Love does not insist on its own way means you're not an egomaniac and it's not always me first. Love is not irritable, which means it doesn't fly off the handle every time something happens. Love is not resentful, which means it doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, which means it doesn't smile or gloat when someone else has to grovel. Love rejoices in the truth. It finds pleasure in what is right. Love bears all things. It puts up with annoyances. Love believes all things that trust God always. Love hopes all things, always looks for the best. Love endures all things, never looks back and keeps going on to the end. That's what love is. Wait a second, I didn't hear anything about feeling in there. 
I heard all about choice, commitment. I choose to love, even when it's hard to love. You see, what happens with the feeling is that a lot of people go to the marriage altar and the man is thinking, yeah, I'm going to marry her. Wow. She's going to make me feel good. When I walk down beside you, people are going to look at me and think, wow, you got her? Good job, dude. I'm going to be able to go home. The meal's going to be made. I get sex whenever I need it. That's all married people laughing. Um, <laughs> this is going to be great. She's really going to make me feel happy. It's really going to meet my needs. It's going to be awesome to marry her. And then he gets married and real and has a baby and she doesn't feel good all the time. And, 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 you know, next time he goes to bed, you know, next time he goes to bed, he says, honey, you want an aspirin? She says, no, I don't have a headache. And she, he says, aha, I got you. Um, <laughs> And he realizes, hey, this is a lot of work. I got to pour in. I got to give. I got to do things. This is a lot of work. I got a family. I got to pay for the bills. It's not what it used to be. I thought you were going to make me happy. I thought you were going to meet my needs. And so now, guess what? I don't love you anymore because this is a lot of work. I got to be patient. I got to be kind. I can't be rude. I have to be long-suffering. I have to work for two. This is long hours. I got to deal with your emotions. We got to talk all this through. I got to release things. I got to forgive things. I don't think I want this because my needs are not being met. And so I want out because I want someone that makes me happy. That's called hedonism. The unabashed pursuit of pleasure, when you make the center of your life the pleasing of yourself, that's called hedonism. People that are hedonistic pursue pleasure at the expense of anybody around them. In the end, hedonistic people end up the most empty of any people because they use everybody around them for their own pleasure, but they haven't learned what it means to have sacrificial love. Listen, if you're getting married because you think she makes you happy, then you need to think again. Because when you choose to marry a person, you're saying for better, for worse, for good, for poor, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. That means I'm marrying this person, committed to this person, even through the bad times. That's the way God loves us, by the way. God doesn't say, I love you just when you're doing good. God has loved you in the worst of your times. When you were detestable, ignorant, proud, self-centered, when you despised God and walked away from God and did it all your way, the love of God kept loving you. Even though you were hurting the heart of God, God kept loving you. And the word for love, yeah, that's incredible love of God. He's loved you. And there may be some of you right now that have walked far from God and he still loves you. You see, in the, in the Greek New Testament, we use the word love. Well, we use the word love for everything, right? We so watered down the word love that it doesn't mean a lot. You say, man, I love Falco's pizza. It's awesome. You say, I love that scarf. Women say, oh, I love that purse, honey. Oh, that is so gorgeous. I just love it. And then you go to get married and you say, why are you getting married? Because I love him. Oh, you love the purse. You love Falco's. You love the weather. You love the bears. And you love your husband, right? It's all in the same category. See, it sounds like the same word we use for everything. 
And so we diminish the importance of the word love. But in the Greek New Testament, there's actually four words for love. I'm going to focus on three because those are the ones that we most talk about. There's the word there's the word eros, which means the romantic, sexually incentivized love that a woman has for a man or a man has for a woman. There's the word filio, where we get the word brother from Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, because that's filio means brotherly love, family type of love that, hey, bro, I really love you, that kind of love. And then you have the word agape. The word used here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the word agape, agapeo you. This is the unconditional love that God has for us and expects us to have for others. It's not eros love. It's not filial love. It's agapeo love, which means this love that is unconditional, regardless of what the other person does, there's still this sense of commitment and love that goes there. And that's the kind of love that he talks about here. And the Bible, by the way, tells us that this kind of love is a love that comes from God. In fact, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. You cannot love the way God wants you to love unless, first of all, God fills you. Listen to me, wife. You want your husband to really love you and to love the kids he needs the way he needs to, then the best thing that your husband could do is get close to God. He needs the help and the love of God to be able to love you the way you deserve to be loved. That's why if I were out there, and you're out there looking for a partner that you need to be that need to marry, and you're looking for someone that you, you want to marry, you better find someone that loves God more than he loves you. And when you find someone that loves God, then he's gonna love you in a way that he's gonna wait, he's gonna love you in a way that you deserve to be loved. So he ends up by saying in this passage that that is what love is and love endures all things. Number three, not only do we need love to understand our gifting, that our gifting without love is meaningless, not only do we need to understand that love without meaning is worthless, but we also need to understand that ministry with love is timeless. And I'm going to wrap it up with this. Then the Apostle Paul, at the end of this chapter, he says, love never ends. Other translations say love never fails. And then the Apostle Paul tells these people, he says, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when, we're perf when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So the Apostle Paul ends it by saying this. The gifts are important. And it's important that you have a gift, and some of you have the gift of encouragement, of healing, of, 
of even faith or miraculous, of teaching, of exhorting, of helps, of administration. Some of you are really great at reaching out in compassion to people. Some of you are really smart when it comes to wisdom or knowledge. And there's incredible amount of gifts and they're really important and you need to use your gifts. But guess what? A time will come when we will no longer need prophecy. It's not going to be relevant anymore. A time will come when we're not going to need the gift of tongues. They'll cease. A time will come when we're not going to need the gift of knowledge. It will pass away. For right now, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, and there's been a lot of debate between theologians and scholars as to what the perfect means, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When we're all in his presence, when the end of things have come, when the world as we know it no longer exists, you will no longer need the Bible to reveal God to you. You will see God face to face. But one thing will still exist. One thing won't be done away with. One thing will be as strong in heaven as it is on earth. And that's love. This is Bold Steps Weekend, and you're listening to Pastor Mark Job. Our study today called Gifted to Love, and we'll return to our study of 1 Corinthians in just a moment. You know, you can share today's message with a friend or listen to previous programs in our growing collection when you visit us online at boldstepsweekend.org. And if you prefer a more on-demand experience, you can always access the Moody Radio app. Just add Bold Steps Weekend as a favorite, and you're a few taps away from the audio messages as they're released. Of course, you can always subscribe to the Bold Steps podcast as well. Access all of this and more by visiting boldstepsweekend.org. And allow me to remind you to sign up for Mark's weekly email devotional, The Bold Stepper Weekly. It's free, delivered automatically to your inbox every Monday morning. Sign up online at boldstepsweekend.org. All right, let's return to this engaging study today of the topic of love. Once again, here's Pastor Mark Job on Bold Steps Weekend. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. In 1995, my father passed away. My mother and father, who did not grow up Christian, but became believers in their latter teenage years, were so touched by God and the message of God that they decided that they would leave their country, their language, their place, and they would go to places that needed to hear more about God and had less of the gospel than we have here. So when my father was 29 years old, for the first time in his life, he left this country. I grew up, I left this country when I was six months old and they traveled to Costa Rica and then they went to Chile. In Chile, my parents moved into this rustic village. We needed rocks on the roof of our house to keep our roof on. I see pictures now of myself when I was just three or four years old among all the dark-skinned, dark-haired Chilean, there was one white boy. <laughs> Bleach blonde hair. 
Yeah, I had hair. Some of you are looking like, Pastor, you had hair? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had, I had some hair. And there, there I am barefooted with all the children of the village running around. My, my parents, actually, the first church that my father planted was in, a, in some slums. It's actually kind of a settlement place. Planted it in a house that was dirt floors, hole in the ground. Very, very poor. And he started speaking the gospel there and gathered a little church in the mountains of Chile. He needed a horse to get there because there were no paved roads. And so he would ride his horse up to this little village. Later on, they went to Spain. Spent all of their life outside of this country. Grew up in northern Indiana, now not far, far from Chicago, but spent all of their life in another country, preaching, teaching, ministering, helping, starting churches, just loving on people, living on a missionary salary, which was very low. Never bought a house, never had a new car, but just telling people about Jesus everywhere they went, starting churches. In 1995, my father fell ill. He was 60 years old. My brother and I flew from the U.S. to go see him. Two weeks later, he died. While he was in the hospital, though, I had some great times to talk to my father. He'd always been strong and healthy and very active and energetic, and he was waiting for a heart transplant. And I'll never forget talking to him one day, him and I were alone in the hospital room and he was bemoaning a little bit the fact that he wished that he would have had more time to accomplish more for God. Never forget, he said, I, I just wish I would have done more for God. I wish I would have accomplished more for God. He had started a small church in Chile, several small churches in Spain, which is a very hard place to start churches. And I said, are you kidding me, Dad? The lives that you've touched, the people you've ministered to, most people would wish they would have been able to do what you did. Then I got a phone call that he had passed away. Now in Spain, they don't embalm. So they have to bury people within 24 hours. So he passed away on a Sunday. We buried him on a Monday in a different city, in the city of Burgos. I remember arriving at that cemetery. I expected only a few people to show up because it's 24 hours and it just all happened really fast. And so I showed up and I thought, well, they must be burying a dignitary because the parking lot's packed out at the cemetery. I walked in, I thought, well, something special's going around. There are hundreds and hundreds of people there. And then when I, to my surprise, I found out they were there for my father. Some people had driven all night to get there from various parts of Spain. Some people had come from a couple other countries to be there overnight. I started mingling in the crowd, just kind of amazed that so many people showed up. I had people coming up to me when they found out I was his son. And one lady came up and she said, your father, he was like a father to me. I couldn't open up to anybody else but your dad. He understood me and I talked to him and shared things that I had never shared with anybody else. And I said, so do you go to the church? She said, no, no I'm a bank teller. The bank teller? We're having these conversations at the bank. 
person after person approached me and said, your dad, he spoke to me, your dad, men, your dad was like a father to me. And over and over people with tears in their eyes telling me, drug addicts, hey, your dad, he helped me get off drugs. When I got on the plane to fly back to the US, I realized that it wasn't because of extraordinary gifts. It wasn't because of a big ministry. It wasn't because of the platform. It was because he loved people. The extraordinary gift of loving God and loving others. You know, I got on that plane And I said, God, I don't love people like my dad loved people. I know I don't. And I pray, God, give me a fresh baptism of love. I need to love more. Because when all is said and done, it's really about loving God and loving others. When I stand before God one day, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because you preached to thousands, not because you had a radio program, not because you wrote a book, not because you did this, because none of that really, I don't think God's going to keep track of any of that. I don't think God really cares, to be honest with you. I think God is going to say, my son, did you love? Did you love? Because if you're full of me, you're full of love. And if you haven't loved, nothing that you did on earth really counts for much. So that's been my prayer. I pray it for my life on a regular basis and I pray it for you. You don't want a pastor that's gifted. And you need a pastor that loves God and loves people. I don't want a congregation that's gifted. I'm glad you're gifted. I believe you're incredibly gifted, actually. But if we don't have love, if that broken person that walks in these doors on Sunday morning can't experience this people that care, then we've missed the mark. We've blown it, really. If that person that came in suicidal to a service like this doesn't feel like, wow, these people care. They're not perfect, but they care. Then we've, we've pretty much missed the mark. We don't care about people, about how they're doing, about relationships, about the love of God. And then we as a church have blown it. May God baptize us with a fresh love as we go about doing the work of God. Amen. This is Bold Steps Weekend with our pastor and Bible teacher, Mark Job. Our message today titled, Gifted to Love. Mark, I know many hearts were touched today. There are people listening, young and old, who want to make that commitment to love God and others. And then there are others who want to recommit themselves to the cause. So let's take a moment right now. Would you pray for God to strengthen them as they do that? Absolutely. And Wayne, I've been convicted so many times throughout my years of ministry as I get very vision, mission, task-oriented, that none of this really ultimately matters unless I keep the heart of Jesus in this, which is to love God above everything else, but love people as myself. That's right. And so I will pray 
for you as I pray for me as well. Father, we pause right now and we admit that our love tank runs dry often. And Father, we confess and repent that sometimes we don't love people the way they need to be loved with the compassion, the intensity, uh, the empathy that needs to be shown. And so I pray for myself and I pray, Father, for so many that are listening today to the word and are being convicted by this, maybe in the words they've spoken, in the lack of empathy they've demonstrated, in just the busyness of life or the uh, uh, being stressed or agitated. I pray, God, that you would give us a fresh baptism of love, Father. I pray, Father, that people would know that we are followers of yours because of our love. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me invite you to learn more about taking your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at boldstepsweekend.org and click on the My Next Step tab on the left sidebar. We'd love to be a part of your continued journey. And while we have a few moments remaining, let me invite you to request a copy of our latest Bold Action Gift. It's a book called When Faith is Forbidden. This 40-day devotional takes you on a journey through real accounts of modern-day persecution and the fascinating ways that God's glory is shining through. It's this month's Bold Action Gift, and it comes to you with our gratitude for a gift of any amount. Just call 866-535-5580 or go to boldstepsweekend.org, and you can send your donation by mail. Address your envelope to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And that's our time for today, but make sure you join us next time when Mark helps us discover how our individual gifts build up the church. Now for Mark Job, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Be sure to join us again next time here on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.